It's a classic computing interview session. Editor's note, due to the way this interview was conducted between Skype and a traditional landline phone, some echoing can be heard. My apologies for this anomaly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by John Woodall of VintageMicros.com and of uh, pretty much, I'd say, of uh, Apple Lisa fame. John, welcome. <laughs> Hello, David. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I'm glad to talk to you. This is something that we've been trying to arrange for quite a while. I've been wanting to talk to you for, for a long while. So I think that's a fair assessment to sort of say you've been sort of the go-to Lisa person for, for quite a number of years. Well, I've been involved with the Lisa since, uh, well, since the beginning, since uh, 1985, around in that area. So we're going to talk to you today about, about that history. It's very interesting. How did you come to be involved with Lisa and, um, you know, start from there? You're... Right. I was, uh, I had bought an Apple IIe in 1982, and uh, I would go to the uh, Apple computer store, and I would uh, try to look at what, what was new and what I might pick up, and they had a Lisa 1 in there, and I had never seen anything like that. I mean, the bitmap screen and I was just in the mouse was just it was just overwhelming and I it was just it was just amazing. I was I was a Lisa man from then on. Oh. How long would it be from that time to you got one? Uh I got one in uh as soon as Sun Remarketing started selling one since I didn't have 10 grand or 5 grand. As soon as they yeah. sold one, I got a complete <clears throat> Lisa 25 converted uh, with the screen mod for uh, like $1000. And just by the way, to uh, everyone listening, and um, and John, I, we've talked many times over the years and through email, and so I'm not sure if you know this. I think you might. I've talked about it many times. So my first Macintosh was actually a Lisa, a new old you know old stock Lisa from Sun Remarketing that had been right. totally converted into a Mac. Right. And that's I, what I had. Yeah, so I bought mine in December of 1989, just before the end of 1989. So I think Sunday Marketing, they acquired all their releases roughly around 1985, right? And so back to you. So as soon as, when, as, soon as uh, Apple discontinued the Lisa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they went with the Mac, uh, with the, the uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Mac, Mac Lisa XL for a mm -hmm. while. And then they dumped the whole thing. And that's when uh, Sunday Marketing got them. I think that was that was sort of one of the last things Steve Jobs did, right? Before he left Apple, was he killed off the Macintosh XL? Yeah, I, he, I believe he, he either he or one of his minions. I don't know, but that about the time he left was when they killed it. Yeah, and ironically, from what I've read, it, it was actually the price had come down enough, and it had enough features that it was competing. It started selling really well and competing against competing the Mac. with the Mac Plus. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so Sunry Marketing, which is in Logan, Utah. So then they acquired, I think, the bulk, if not all, of the the leases. The Apple. Um, oh, and by the way, I have interviewed the you know, president, CEO, the founder of uh, and president, I guess, of Sunry Marketing, Bob Cook. Right. So, uh, so it's been a while since I, I don't remember when that was. I think 2013 or 2014. But so, if anyone's interested, you can listen to the story of Sunry Marketing, which is a very interesting one. Uh, and listen, Bob Cook talk more about it. So they're in Logan, Utah, and just to touch on, ultimately by 1989, this is if, if anyone's ever heard the story about where they buried a whole bunch of them, they buried right. them in a landfill in Utah because that's where they were. So Sunry Marketing had to uh, handle, I guess, the you know a lot of that for Apple, but Apple did that so, so they could write off a lot of them as a loss. 
But then Sudbury Marketing still held on, held on to a good a good bit of them. And I, I don't remember the numbers, but probably like, what, they buried like, is it 10,000 they buried? Oh, there are, I, I don't think anyone knows for sure. It was a, a, a huge quantity. One of the other reasons that Apple did that was they did not want a, a lot of machines still out there that they would be responsible for providing technical. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and so Sunday Marketing still kept a stock of them. And I, I guess we don't know how many I'm, I'm going to throw out, probably at least a couple thousand maybe. Because again, by by that around that time is when I bought mine. But anyway, let's go back to your story then. So just uh, tell me again. So when was it you got yours from Sunday Marketing? It was in the, uh, well, it's about the time that Sun Remarketing, they tried to move into more modern Macintosh uh, systems and, and hardware that they were getting from Apple. And then I guess that didn't go over so well. So it was it was obvious they were going to close down. So I called Bob Cook uh, one day. I guess it was in, oh, gee, 2000 and three or 2004, something like that. Okay. And I asked him if I, how many leases he still had. And he had uh, several pallets of leases <laughs> remaining. Okay. And they weren't I, selling by that point for the most part, right? Well, they weren't, they really weren't selling now. Okay. And he was selling out then. So uh, we negotiated and I uh, made a deal to buy all of the leases that he had left uh, with the keyboards, keyboards and mice and everything. And so we made the deal, and then I had a tractor-trailer bring them from uh, Logan, Utah, here to South Carolina, and I had a uh, storage unit set up, and uh, I had (laughs) a tractor-trailer with pallets of leases. Oh, they stacked them really good, too. There must have been, like, 24 per pallet or something like that, or 18 per pallet. And uh, that's that's how I got them. And then later on, when uh, Bob was kind of out of the picture, and his son was liquidating everything else that they had. And I made a deal with with his son, and I just happened to be out on a buyout myself in San Jose, and so I decided I would make it a two-pronged trip, and I made arrangements with with his son to go to Logan, Logan, Utah from San Jose, and I bought out... Uh, the rest of his Lisa stuff that he had uh, in storage. And so, John, you said that was roughly around 2003, at least that initial phone call and when you, st- you, 2003, when you acquired... 2003, Okay. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, that's, that's okay. when I... Well, and then looking on... Um, so it looks like Sun Remarketing, they ultimately uh, you know, were bought out by Cherokee Data in 2006. So maybe that's right. somewhere before, a little bit before that is around oh, the time. Oh, before that, yes. Yeah, that you dealt with his son, too. So... Yeah. So, um, so working up to that still, what, um, so what made you want to do that? Like what, why did you think, you know what, maybe I'll buy all the leases they have, you know, what, because you're just a big, you became a big Lisa fan or, um, so tell me more about, tell us more about what was driving that. Well, I was able to acquire a few leases. I was really interested in Lisa. It was just like I said, I just really wanted to get some more and work with them, see what I could do with them and, and see how far I could take them and. So I was able to get some from buyouts down in Florida and other places. I would, I guess, I had like ten or fifteen leases of my own at that time, huh. and then uh, I was experimenting uh, with the uh, with the old profile and all that, and trying to trying to find a way to to, uh, to make the uh, the lease more performant. That's when I found out about 
the uh, memory upgrades and so on like that. So this seemed like a chance to really, really uh, take over the Lisa, uh, how can I say it, uh, industry. And uh, and see what I could do with it. I just I didn't really have any plans at that time. I just wanted to get them. Well, and I guess did you see it? Like you were still working, right? You're retired now, but oh but, no, I was retired then. Oh, I you retired were retired in two thousand and one. Oh, okay. So that worked out where it, you, you could put a lot of time into it, kind of yeah. as a hobby business. Yeah, I would drive around. I'd drive all the way to the West Coast and bring back a U-Haul truck full of uh, old red computer gear. And I think uh, it, it, you know, if it's okay to say, I think uh, I'm asking you because I, I think I know, but it, it sort of it's paid off, right? It was a good investment, wasn't it for you? Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I was able to make some money on it, uh, and uh, well, you know, I kind of took over as the only. I, I, as far as I know, yeah, I'm the only source for Lisa parts. Right, right. Other than eBay, other than the used marketplace, yeah. Yeah, well, the Craigslist, the used, or eBay. even on eBay, you don't have the. Um, I have all the case parts. I have, I have, uh, you know, extra key switches, and you know, I have just things that uh, you hardly ever see. Okay, and by the way, so people can get a hold of you at vintagemicros dot com and about those right. things. So, John, let's see. I so I have a couple. I have like one person's name written down here. I want to ask you about. So, obviously, it was sort of a hobby business, but you had a sincere interest in the Lisa from a historical standpoint, and. You know, enthusiasts just like myself and a lot of other people. Right. So you had your own leases and you bought out a bunch of them. So you were upgrading them and playing around with them. So, like, you're familiar with uh, James McPhail? Oh, uh, we are uh, business partners. Okay. Yeah. But he was doing stuff even, like, before you you met him and stuff. Oh, yeah. He was, before I even knew him, he was working on upgrades for the Lisa. Yeah, which he did... um, well, you tell us what what was some other stuff he what's some other stuff he's done. Well, he had say uh, long a long in the in the past. Uh, he doesn't do it anymore, but he made a RAM upgrade for the Lisa called the Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then he was instrumental in the uh, in the development of the uh, accelerators. You know, the accelerator units, which take right. it up to twelve and uh, eighteen megahertz. And uh, let's see, what else did he do? Oh, and the MacWorks Plus 2, which right. allows you to run system 7.5.5. Yep. Uh, so at one time, um, I, I know I accelerated my Mac, right. and then another time I actually did the MacWorks Plus 2 upgrade on uh, my Lisa, rather, not my Mac. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my Apple Lisa 2 from Center Marketing. So I actually purchased those two items on that original Lisa I had, which I ended up selling it some years later, unfortunately. I have a Lisa now, though. Well, as you know, but yeah, and then and then was the name of his company? I should look at these notes. Is it Sigma Seven? Right? Was the name of his company, or is that a different person? Well, no, no, his company or is S- now Sigma Seven Systems Limited, and he's based in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, he for a time his company was called Query Engineering. Oh, okay, that was another. I knew there was another name out there. Yeah, that was him also. And wasn't there another uh, another guy who was kind of involved in you might say in the old days, and he's not really. Where where James sort of took over for him? Yeah, is, that is, was uh, Sam Newlinger, I think. Okay, so that's the other uh, name. Yep. What what's what's uh, what's the story with Sam these days? That he just like just well, got he, out of it. Uh, he was older than than us, which is uh, you know he was uh, he's retired a long time ago. I don't know if he's still with us or not. 
Okay. But I think he was involved, like, even when Apple still sold them, right? That's where he... Yes. He was still... He was involved, and in fact, there were uh, uh, several places. There was a place, there was a outfit in uh, California called the Lisa Shop, and they were sort of in competition with Sam. Okay. And uh, Sam was... He had a lot of projects on, on, on the horizon, and let's, you know, like, upgraded to, with a, to a... Uh, a, a higher processor uh, on the board, not just an add-on. And so he and uh, the Lisa shop were sort of in competition for a while. That's the only uh, outfit I ever knew of that was uh, doing any engineering work was the Lisa shop. Okay. Now, out of those, uh, uh, the, the leases you got from Sunry Marketing, uh, now, a lot of these, they were, they were new old stock, right? So were they essentially were still brand new in the box, untouched? Or no, by some, that point. Some were new, some were some were new, and it was a mixture. And then some were, uh, how can I say, older ones that they had, uh, in some cases, converted to the XL with the screen mod. Mm-hmm. And some of them, uh, I don't know where, I guess he had bought out places, because some of the ones I got had university stickers on them. Huh. But they were all complete, they all had everything, and um, they all... Uh, I guess 90% of them came up as soon as you applied power. Well, I know mine, you know, when I received it from UPS, I want to say, or FedEx, whoever delivered it, I mean, it looked like it was brand new. So it was complete, brand new in the box. Yeah, I pulled it all out, all the packaging, everything. Um, But of course, it was was a one megabyte uh, Apple Lisa 2 that Sunday Marketing had put the screen modification in. They had changed out the ROMs and put in the the double density 800 drive and then it had the center marketing hard drive internal where the cable ribbon cable came out the back and plugged into the the parallel right. connection and right. so it was a it was a mac plus for all other practical purposes right. it, it had uh yeah. yeah mac works plus was 6.0.2 oh, i wish I, I wish i had all that stuff now the bo- you know, box and everything the only reason i ever sold it because i ran into some that's happened to me a few times I had to sell stuff you know to raise money unfortunately right. but um well you know i still do that if someone wants an X profile to install ter- internally in a Lisa 2.5, mm-hmm. then uh, I have to make I have to make that cable that connects uh, the X profile through the back of the Lisa and plugs into the external parallel port. Right, right, yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll go. Um, I have some other questions, but we'll let's jump on that real quick. So the X Profile is a solution where you can take a modern, you know, flash-based drive to run on your leases versus, you know, the the original Profile hard drives. And they fail like all mechanical things. But now there was another solution. I guess you can still do it. Is it was it called the IDE file? It's like another way of doing. Yeah, this? that's uh, that is a, uh, a a gentleman in Germany. Okay. And he um, he came up with uh, it's it's. Really, totally different than the X Profile. Right, right. His, he goes to IDE file. It has a socket for an IDE drive on it, and it doesn't. It comes as a uh, as a board, and he supplies uh, a couple of chips, mm-hmm. and then uh, you have to find your own, uh, get your own components, and build it and initialize everything yourself. So yeah. it, it's not it's not a plug and play. So James McPhail and I, I talked to James, and I said, you know, I'm sick of having these old pieces of part of the widgets and the profiles and they don't work and you get them running and you get your data installed and then they just won't work, then they crash and then you lose everything. So 
we talked about a plug-and-play solution, and they came up with the X-Profile, which the X-Profile, you can attach. It has an IDE socket. I mean, you can attach an IDE hard drive if you want to, but it's kind of crazy to do that when you can use a flash card, and each flash card is like a new hard drive. Right. Yeah, and um, the only reason I brought up the ID file, IDE file is just to sort of put it in perspective. That uh, And then also, in earlier, I guess, in the day, there was a SCSI solution, too, I think. Where you could... Yeah, Sun Remarketing. They came up uh, with a S uh, with the SCSI interface board, and uh, it was uh, you know it was kind of funny. Uh, the, it worked it, with some difficulty. I mean, it wasn't going to be plug and play right out of the box. They neglected to explain how to format a SCSI drive to work with the with the Mac. There's no instructions for that. Uh, you just had to try to figure it out yourself. Yeah, and uh, that made it very difficult. So I don't. I used to. Uh, I used to build those boards. I had some new uh, PCBs made, manufactured, and uh, I was building them for many years. But I just got. I don't build them anymore. I got tired of it because <clears throat> whenever I sold one, everybody had so much difficulty getting it to work with the SCSI drive that it was just driving me nuts so i don't sell them anymore i gave up on that well with that said you you do sell the x profile solution which i own for my lisa it is it's the most elegant simplest it's the best solution if you're a serious apple lisa enthusiast you know it's not a matter of of if your profile or internal hard drive is going to fail it's when i mean of course like any mechanical device yeah i mean it's gonna it's gonna fail even yeah. Today, those original hard drives are so ancient that the media, the surface of the of the magnetic media itself, is flaking off. Mm -hmm. So the X Profile is a wonderful solution. I have the external version from you, and so it basically takes the place of like uh, now. It doesn't look exactly like the big profile, but you could do that. You could mount. You can do it. We uh, yeah. we can. I can mount them internally in the old profile case. You, and you have to have a voltage regulator board, though, mm -hmm. if you're going to use the original profile power supply because it's pretty erratic. But, you know, you can mount it in, in, in a modern uh, case with a uh, with a, uh, a power so a commercial power supply, and you don't need a voltage regulator, and it'll run from that. Yeah, so it's yeah. a wonderful solution. I know you've got some flack about it's being "quote unquote" you know expensive or not cheap. I, I no, it's not cheap. However, you want to you want to gauge that. It's it's what three hundred and sixty nine dollars. Uh, yeah, is that right? That. Yeah. But again, well, if you're a you serious know, Apple and Lisa enthusiast, I think it's well worth the investment. Well, you know, it's plug and play. You take it out. I include. I don't leave anything to. The uh, the customer's uh, imagination as to how to do it. I include two pre-programmed compact flashcards, one with MacWorks and one with uh, the Lisa Office system. Mm -hmm. And so all you have to do is mount the board, connect the cable, put in the flashcard, turn it on. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to buy any components. You don't have to to do anything except just plug it in. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I like mine a lot. I was trying to find it on eBay. Do you have it's any up my, there? It's right in now? my eBay store. Yeah, I, I still sell them. They're in my eBay store. Well, you know, I've always... It's really strange the way the criticism that has been levied at me for even building the X-Profile. I mean, I have received hate mail. <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding. About 
how who do you think you are and uh, this is so expensive and, right you know well you know it took two or three years of development work and then a huge investment to come out with the first prototype and they're and it's, they're not cheap to build <laughs> i hear you and i build each one my myself i don't farm it out i build each one myself so if someone doesn't like it then they shouldn't look at it well, and it's it's basic <laughs> economics about supply and demand. It's not like you right. have some giant, giant demand for demand. them, but there's you know things cost more when there's a smaller demand, and you know well, like I said, it. it costs money it costs to money develop to and to build. And um, but you know what, John, I really resent the fact that you're making so much money on this because then I can't get it really cheap, so I can make a huge profit on my Lisa when I sell it on eBay. That's right. <laughs> you know, like, they want me to. I've had people write to me and say that I should give it to them. Yeah, because they are a collector, and it, and I have a moral obligation to give them what what they will want for what they're willing to pay. Yeah, this has been um, you know I've been a collector for a long time since the earliest days of of eBay and stuff, and this has been an attitude that's been going around forever that collectors right. think because well I'm a sincere collector therefore I deserve right. a better deal because yeah. my I guess they're more pure or something. But yeah, it's like my time is worthless. Yeah. Well, so getting back to like the leases you got from Sunry Marketing, can you tell us any stories about like, uh, I don't know, some of the ones you're most surprised with uncovering maybe that was especially well, rare actually, or valuable? Uh, before, you know, after Sunry Marketing, I bought out, uh, I found a guy out in California who had uh, gone to this, a sale at the, when the old Lisa plant in Carrollton, Texas was closing. Really? What year was that? He, was that earlier? That, he got that was in the well. That was when they did away with the Lisa. Okay, you know, it's like, like in the in the late '80s. Okay, and so the the old facility was closing down, and he went and he had purchased stock. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, hardware and software from the old Lisa facility, and he had four storage units full of that material. Wow! And I so I flew out to Dallas. And where he had the storage units, and I went and inspected them, and I made him an offer. He was desperate for some money, so I made him an offer that I would bring a truck, and I would I would have the choice of anything in any of his units, and I would fill the truck to the brim for fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> wow! I got five Lisa ones out of that. I have a picture of that with in my shop of five Lisa ones sitting in a stack. I got I mean, I had prototype boards, I had boxes and boxes of, of, of software, of twiggy disks. I mean it was just and, and manuals and I got Xenix manuals and it was just it was just incredible. What I, what I got, I got emblems for machines and you know for ca computer bezels and things. It was that that was a bigger buyout than Sunroom Marketing. Hmm. What was kind of the what turned out? If it's okay to ask, what was sort of the so out of a lot of the Lisa stuff, what turned out to be the big big ticket, the biggest ticket stuff? I mean, I guess the Apple one, the Lisa ones rather. I I had the front panel from uh, Steve Jobs's Lisa one that had his name on a, uh, you see it in some pictures from the time, it had his name on a little gold plaque on the front. Huh. You sold that kind of recently, right? I sold that, no, it's been some years ago. I, I still have it listed on my website just for kicks, just to look at it. I sold it to a, a Japanese collector. Mm. 
Now, I did find uh, in, uh, uh, and I, I I have this on the uh, on the Lisa group on Facebook. I found uh, in one two ten that I was opening them up to to look at them, see what you know they were all like, and I found on the inside of one two ten the signatures of the assembly team at the Lisa plant, and it was the last Lisa produced. Oh wow! Yeah, and it had everybody's names, and I actually took the time. I finally found someone's name in the phone book in the, in that area, and I called them and verified that yeah, he had worked at the plant. He was a technician, and yeah, that he had that he remembered that. And where did where did you think that one came from? That came from that plant. Yeah, it came from the Carrollton plant. Yeah. So yeah, they basically signed off on it, and it just sat there for a long time. Well, nobody knew it was under the lid. Oh, oh, yeah. Because, you know, not everybody takes the top off of Elisa, so you'd never see it. Oh, right. So, <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, look at this. Hmm. So have you um, also, did you come across any um, prototypes or internal yes, Apple found, development Lisas or stuff like that? Well, in a, in a, a Lisa from Sutton Marketing, I found a daughter board that had been developed, uh, I don't know if it was by them or by someone else, and you plugged it into the CPU board where the boot ROMs are, and you would have MacWorks uh, resident in the Lisa when you turned it on. Oh, that there makes was no sense. hard drive, there was no floppy disk, you turn it on and MacWorks popped up on the screen and you didn't need a disk drive or hard drive. So that was something they were working on. Yeah. Yeah, that would have made sense going forward with a Macintosh XL. Right. Wow. Uh, I found uh, a, a lot of prototype keyboards. They were really. St- I had them, you know, on the on the Lisa keyboards. Now, uh, the uh, or most of them you see the uh, key switches. You just pop them out. Right. Well, I had Lisa keyboards where they were each key switch was soldered in, and the and the array of keys was very different, you know, than you see now. Did uh, do you remember John? There a few years ago, um, there was some buzz about um, when was this? Well, there was some buzz where like at least one or two Mac, you know, original Mac prototypes came um, up, and and they had some coverage, and they had Twiggy drives in them. Right. Did Did you ever see, see anything? I don't know if you were involved in any of that, or did you ever see any any of no, that? No, I wasn't involved in it. I uh, I was asked by a museum to be their proxy to bid on it, but I never uh, I never did see one myself. Oh, did that oh, museum win? No, we didn't win. Oh. Uh, <laughs> how much do you remember how much did it sell for? I remember following it at the time. Oh gee, I don't I don't know if it was over a hundred thousand or not. I I don't remember that was that was happening like wasn't that just before the thirtieth anniversary, so maybe twenty thirteen or something, twenty twelve? Well maybe been. maybe uh, it was after maybe a little, maybe a little bit later. Maybe okay. twenty 14 or 15 or yeah maybe it was like right that. after the anniversary yeah well um let's see what else we're we going to talk about what am i missing what am i, what am I missing <laughs> asking you so all these years have gone by and you you were so you established your website vintagemicros.com and for the most part you specialized in elisa but you were also doing um you were selling the x profile you know and you still do but you were selling other other Mac stuff. Well, I used to. Uh, I I even uh, got into S one hundred systems like the Altair and the Insa and 
Really? You know, I was in that for a while, but uh, that uh, the supply of those kind of dried up. So I, I only thing I have left is a, a few uh, S100 boards. I think on your website you have, I was looking at this the other day, you have like uh, an S100 computer, don't you? Let me see. What is that? Oh, you have a Moro Micro Decision for sale. Uh, that's been sold. Oh, uh, <laughs> that looked like it was a pretty good deal, one hundred twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, nobody seemed interested in it. It was a, it was a, it was an interesting system. The Moro, uh, they made a lot of S one hundred boards, and then they made their own uh, mm-hmm. business computers. I believe the um, was it George Moro was his name. Yeah. 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 So he was a you know pioneer in the early days. I think making boards and stuff for the Altairs and M size and so right. on. So tell us a little bit about like um, what do you have kind of as your personal uh, collection? You know that you're not you're not looking. Well, you know, I really anything. I used to have a huge. I really don't have a collection. I kind of I was I had a big gigantic, but I never did anything with it. Yeah. So it was just sitting there. So I finally just sold it all off. Uh, the only thing I have are systems I use to test. I've got uh, two or three uh, Mac 2 systems mm-hmm. that I use for making uh, images and, and copies and so on. I have a I have a Lisa 2.5 and a Lisa 2.10 that I use for uh, experimenting in the shop. And I have a Mac Plus and a Mac 512K and I have a 2E and a 2GS and and that's and I have a uh, an ancient IBM PC that I use to test if I want to test IBM software. Okay. But everything else I and I have an iMac, and aside from that, I've got rid of everything. Oh yeah, you know, Sunry Marketing they also sold you know Apple II stuff and Apple three things, and I talked to Bob about that. So did you acquire any of that stuff too? No, uh, that was pretty much gone when I did the uh, when I got the lease about the uh, summary marketing actually started as an Apple three yeah. support uh, company and I bought my first Apple three from them and but I did get uh, quite a bit of Apple three stuff from uh, the uh, buyout of the old Lisa plant because they used Apple threes to test profiles and uh, things like that. I got some really weird test equipment from the uh, the old Lisa plant. Hmm. All that's been sold. Okay. So I interviewed a gentleman named Todd Meyer. Okay. And um, hope, well, whenever anyone's listening to this, that other interview will have been out by now. So you and Todd um, working also with James and a, another gentleman named um, Rick? Yeah, Rick Ragnini from uh, Chicago. James McPhail from uh, British Columbia. And then Todd is in Wisconsin. So, so you guys have developed essentially replacement boards that will be coming out soon, and these are replacement boards for uh, to go into the Lisa. So maybe you can talk about that a little bit. And, right, and of course, yeah. I talked to Todd about it. Yeah, we uh, decided among ourselves. We had, we had been together working on different projects, Rick Ragnini and James McPhail and I for years, and then Todd came on board as a, the ultimate Lisa enthusiast. And we decided that we were so sick of having all these old Lisa boards that were corroded and didn't work. You see people online talking about the best way to remove corrosion from the Lisa boards. Mm-hmm. And I, we just, I just couldn't stand it anymore. So we decided, why not recreate the boards? We had the expertise to do it. 
between the four of us. And so we started, and it quickly became a huge. We never dreamed it would be so such a huge project. It, <laughs> I imagine over, it was oh, it was over like two years before we had the first prototype. So uh, we uh, create we uh, re, uh, reverse engineered the boards, and then made new boards where we improved them. All right, because you you might not think about this, but if you ever look at the I.O. board for an Apple Lisa 1 or Lisa 2.5, it's the same board, mm-hmm. you'll see there are jumper wires running all over that board everywhere that Apple installed. Well, that's because there were errors in the board. I guess they had so many boards they didn't want to make new boards, so they decided to modify the errors <laughs> in the old boards. <laughs> and beyond that, there were also, we discovered as we got into it, Traces cut, physically cut, on the back of the board, on the front of the board, where there were mistakes that they couldn't solve with the jumper. And so they were actually, we discovered, cut traces. So all of this had to be incorporated into the new schematics. So this was a monumental, horrific job. And we, you know, we finally, finally got the first prototype. And then we got it, uh, the kinks worked out of that, and it worked. And then we have we had, like, several revisions, and we came, finally came up with, you know, the Elisa 1 or Elisa 2.5 motherboard. So we call it the Lisa 1.5 because it's the same for each. And then we have the Lisa I.O. board for the Lisa 1 or Lisa 2.5. We have the Lisa CPU, which goes with all models. We have uh, working uh, prototypes for the... Lisa 210 uh, I.O. board and the Lisa uh, 210 motherboard. Okay. And uh, so uh, those boards are going to start being available. Uh, we, we've decided in March. We, were, we, we had thought January, but uh, that's just too soon for us, given the fact that I have to build each board by hand. So we have to supply our own needs. It was, this was never conceived to be a money-making project. So right. it wasn't done with the intent to sell huge quantities because I could never build that many. So this is going to be a very rare board, and there will never be many of them out there. Okay. So we're going to make as many boards as we want for our own use, and then with PCBs and components that I have left, uh, I can build some boards and we can make those available. And the only thing I can say is they work first time every time, perfectly they're perfectly compatible in a system where you're just changing out one board and they are not going to be cheap <laughs> <laughs> right well Todd, that's gonna that's gonna bring me a lot of hate mail again well and well, to put it into perspective i mean leases uh aren't particularly cheap anymore on the used marketplace and then right. especially and you try to buy parts so it's all in perspective. If, if Again, if you're an enthusiast and you want to fix your Lisa because you intend to, well, whether you intend to keep it or sell it, I think it's it's a, de- it's a good investment. You can't really argue. Of course, I don't know how much it's going to be, but just, you know, you know it's not going to, it's probably might be the same as a used one, which then is old and used or, you know, or maybe it'll be a little bit more. But I think you're getting something that will last. And actually well, fix your made, Lisa for a long run. Like with the I.O. board for the Lisa 1 and Lisa 2.5, uh, we have come up with a, a, a modified EEPROM for the disk drive uh, where you, by switching a jumper 
right beside uh, the disk drive chip on the I.O. board, you can switch from the Sony drive, 3.5 inch, to Twiggy, if you want to. And that's built into the circuitry, and it's built into the, the, new, uh, the new EEPROM. And so just by the way, by the way, for everyone, the reason the Lisa 1 and Lisa 2.5 are the same with the motherboard and the I.O. board, well, because they essentially were the same, those boards. It's because Every 2.5, every two if, if, if you have a, say you have a 2.5, it would begin as a Lisa 1. Right, and it had to have a, an external profile hard drive. Right. It versus the Lisa internal profile hard drive. 210 was designed to have an internal 10 megabyte Twiggy hard drive. And it, no, it, it was no? a uh, no, no. The Twiggy is the uh, little thin floppy drive. Yeah, that uh, the uh, 210 had a widget. I'm sorry. Thank you. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was a funny word like that. Yeah. Okay. Widget. Oh, I misspoke earlier too. Well, and so the motherboard didn't have a parallel port. That's why you had to add a card if you want to run a profile with it. Am I right? The, On the 210? Uh, the, uh, the 210, it had an internal port for the widget. If you wanted to run yes. a profile, then you had to use the Apple uh, uh, parallel uh, uh, auxiliary card. Okay. And you'd plug into that from the rear of the system. And then, John, you can maybe ultimately answer this. I think... Then what a lot of people they get confused about, well, what's a Macintosh XL? I think a Macintosh XL is just a renamed Lisa 210. Am I oh, right? All that is so hilarious when I see people arguing about that. That is just ultimately funny. One day, uh, when they were thinking about getting rid of all the Lisas, they said, well, maybe we can make it last a little longer, and we'll call it the Mac XL. Uh-huh. And we'll, put, we'll, we'll offer screen mods and... Uh, and so you can uh, you can uh, view uh, Mac software in the square pixel instead of the rectangular pixel, and so they just simply. In fact, I have a a letter that I found from Apple to all its dealers saying on this date, the Lisa 210 will be renamed the Macintosh XL. Okay. That, uh, and that was that, you know. And so they they issued stickers to the. Um, dealers to stick on the 210 boxes saying Mac XL. <laughs> so they're, they're, it's, it's exactly the same machine. There's no difference. It, it might have a screen mod. Yeah. yeah. So it won't run the lease office system, but it's just a 210. You know? Right. And by then, of course, only the Lisa 1 actually said Lisa on the front of the case. So right. they didn't have to worry about re-ba- literally rebadging the front of it at all. Right. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's... That's been a uh, misunderstanding for so long. Thank you. I'm glad I was right. I figured that out a long time ago. So I, I own a Lisa 210 is what I have then. That's why I have to have a parallel card to use my X-Profile. Right. And does the X-Profile work? Yeah. Yeah. It works great. Is there anything else I should bring up or we should talk about that I missed? Well, there is one thing. We've also uh, developed uh, some new auxiliary cards for the Lisa which will also be available next year. We have a four-port serial card for the Lisa, which will enable someone to run uh, Lisa Xenix, you know? And okay. uh, we have remade the Lisa Parallel card. Right. Well, those don't work. So uh, it will be coming out also. 
And we have some other odds and ends, like uh, we revived the status board. If someone wants to work on their widget hard drive, you can plug it in the back and watch the uh, diodes flicker as it's just going through its its uh, routine. That's a kind of an, an, an oddity that I, we were able to resurrect. And there may be some more things I can't think of them right now. Well, let me ask what? you this then. So what are some what? of the... Uh, so you can go to vintagemicros.com and you can see a lot of things you have listed. By the way, these these brand new Lisa boards, they're um, saying they're from Sapient Engineering because that's Todd's right. company. I uh, say so he he, he uh, essentially uh, formed the company and uh, financed the uh, the work, and then uh, and then you're handling building them. Uh, well, and I, I put I put some uh, I put some uh, funds into it too, and then Rick Ragnini and uh, and James McPhail uh, did the engineering work. And then I uh, I do the uh, I assemble all the components. The, uh, it's not easy to find all these old parts. And then I actually build the, uh, the hardware and do the initial testing. Okay. So you sell these, you will be. And, of course, you yep. have other things listed on your website. People get a hold of you if they have questions or asking about anything else. Are there other services that you offer? Or, like, say someone wants to have their Lisa repaired or um, refurbished or, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for when you uh, – <laughs> What is it when you, you take something old and you make it new? You uh, re, re, uh, I used to refurb leases, but uh, restore. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I, yeah, restore them. I kind of have stopped that. Uh, it's just got to be too much for me, so I don't uh, repair or refurbish uh, systems anymore. Is there anyone you point uh, to? You point people to? No. Offhand, no. Okay. Uh, nobody's got the parts. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well. If somebody wants to pay enough, I mean, I'll refurbish the system. But, right, your time you know, is valuable. No, no, I get enough criticism just for selling things for what I do sell for. So, yeah. So maybe in closing, what are some uh, what are some of the interesting things you still have for sale right now? The more well, collectible I have things. A, I have a big inventory of Lisa, Lisa power supplies. That if somebody needs one, I want some. Once again, I'm not giving them away, mm-hmm. but the one I have the. Uh, I can I, I can supply the European uh, voltage model. I can supply the uh, both types for the U.S. Um, I bought out a a, 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 a computer uh, store in California that had a huge supply of them. So I I have quite a few. I recapped them. I replaced uh, the bad capacitors. So I I make those available. Okay. And I sell. I now sell a uh, a kit, a, a two megabyte RAM expansion board that Sun Remarketing had. I have a ton of old PCBs, and so uh, I supply a kit if somebody wants to build their own with all the parts. Okay. And uh, I stopped selling the SCSI cards. I don't have any more of those for sale. I can't think about anything else. Except I have all spare parts you might need for the, the Lisa. Except I don't I don't have any keyboards anymore to mm-hmm. sell. What I have, I have to keep for myself. And I don't do anything. I do not repair the widgets or the profiles. There's no point in it. If they're going to fail. It's not worth my effort. So I don't I don't touch those anymore. I got you. Other than if Other someone buys an X profile, you can uh, they can oh, mount yeah, it I'll inside. It, yeah. I'll put it back into a profile case if they want it. Which is probably cheaper. 
<laughs> well, I, it kind of is. I mean, just to try to find one of those old Seagate drives, are those things people want crazy money for? If you if you find them, they're not going to work anyway. Yeah. And if they are working, they won't work for long. Right. right. Yeah, it's inevitable. That's really the future of old computers and collecting is um, they're going to fail. And the, the future will be... People have these things either mostly static displays or, you know, hybrids, right? Like using the X-Profile or um, basically replacing the mechanical things first, but then, uh, and then using um, emulation and reproductions and so on. Yes. I'm wondering if someone will ever come out with a reproduction, Lisa, you know, like a... Oh, there's one other thing. Yes. uh, I need to talk to you about the X-Cops. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I had that written down too. Go ahead. X-Cops. On the I.O. board is a proprietary uh, Apple chip called the XCOP. And it is associated with controlling the mouse, the keyboard, and the parallel port, and some other things. And when that chip goes bad, then you're dead in the water with your, with your Lisa. Unfortunately, no one was ever able to duplicate that chip. So... James McPhail and I talked about it, and he designed a little daughter board using a newer cop chip that you can then plug into the, the socket of the cop chip on your old card, and then you can get up and run. Mm. So it's a solution to something that no one was ever, ever able to overcome before, which was, what do you do when the cop chip dies? You don't do anything. Right. Find another cop chip from another system. So, and that's that's on my website. In fact, I have those on my in my eBay store too. If somebody wants to take a look at it just for interest. I think it's getting to be time too for maybe someone to produce a, an Apple Lisa documentary would be of of great interest. I don't know if it would be very it would make it very big in the general pub, public. <laughs> but probably not. It's a definitely a specialized the audience that would be interested. Well, but of course it, it directly, you know, has a direct lineage to, to the Mac and then where we are today as in everything, even going before it with the Xerox, you know, star and Alto and other stuff. But I think, I think it sort of turned out it, it paid off for Apple really in the long run, its influence, even though taken out of context, it was a failure, but you know, Every computer today has a heritage from the Lisa. When you get on there and you have a menu bar and you have an icon, that first appeared with the Lisa. Right. Right. I'm not talking about the Xerox stuff. I mean, no. the Lisa was the first one publicly available right. that had that kind of interface. Well, and of course, people like to... They oversimplify and generalize and say, well, you know, Apple ripped off Xerox and then Microsoft ripped off Apple. And it's like, no, that's not really the case as far as Apple, because for one thing, the Xerox never had a one button mouse. And that in and of itself was a big innovation that Apple well, did that to simplify it. With a, something that we discovered and during all this reengineering, do you know or had you ever heard that the capability to use a three button mouse exists within current Lisa. <laughs> but there was never a three-button mouse for us, yeah. so it was never activated. And we we also offer reverse video on the new Lisa boards we have, 
that we discovered that that capability was built in, and so we activated it. So if you flip a jumper, you can have inverse video. And it's huh. only useful, I guess, for programming. Or sight-impaired. They have that setting in the Macintosh operating system and Windows, too, I guess. Yeah, but not in the original Lisa. It was a hardware. Uh, we had It was activated through hardware. Hmm. Well, there was little secrets of the hidden secrets of the Lisa there, you know. Oh, another oh, okay. thing, uh, just back to uh, innovations of the, the Lisa OS and then the Mac OS. For instance, Xerox had pop-up menus. Right. And, and of course, Apple developed the the pop down. Am I saying that right? Yeah, they had the pull down. Pull down. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then other innovations Lisa did that the Mac didn't do, like being um, document centric. Is that am I saying it right? Versus application centric. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot of interesting stuff. I know. Also, there's a on the Facebook group that I'm a member of, and so are you, uh, for Apple Lisa. You recently posted a picture of like using an external display with a Lisa. Right. Uh, it has the there, there's a, a a port in the back of the leases say for an external monitor, but no one ever could figure out what <laughs> monitor that was. No one, yeah. And so the story was that Lisa uh, Apple envisioned the Lisa as being a, a a business computer. So the idea was you could ex- you could ex- you know attach an external monitor, a large monitor. And so while an instructor was working on the Lisa, showing how to cut and paste and transfer things, the audience could watch it on the external monitor. Mm-hmm. Well, only a particular type of monitor will work. And so after like 20 years, Rick Ragnini noticed one on eBay wow. and contacted wow. me, and they, the person had two brand new ones. And it was called a Conrack, C-O-N-R-A-C. And we bought both of them. And then I posted a picture of, of this one working. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It works beautifully. And we we uh, we tested it out with our new boards, of course, and, and, and it's totally compatible. Hmm. And we moved the video port inside uh, the uh, externally available. Since nobody ever uses it, we put it inside on the motherboard and added to the 2.5 motherboard an interrupt switch which was missing from it but present on the 2.10 (laughs) well um, I think that'll that'll do it I think that's a lot of good stuff you have a great story though I'm sure there's a lot more stuff we could talk about oh there's a lot more I just you know I would have to sit down and and make a checklist to make sure I cover it all I have one last question did you ever have someone um, you know purchase like a big a big lot of stuff from you like they just wanted a bunch of le- you know a few leases at a time sort of thing and i have had people buy uh two or three at a time oh i have another interesting story the uh the own uh, uh, an avid collector of lisa materials or, or hardware back in the uh early 2000s was the owner of oakley sunglasses hmm you know, you've heard of Oakley yeah. Sunglasses. So, and he knew Steve Jobs personally because they did deals together, apparently. And so I was selling him a lot of uh, a lot of hardware. So when I got that big shipment from uh, Sunry Marketing, when I brought him out, I was telling him about it. So he bought two, and he said he wanted me to get them in perfect condition. 
and he purchased them as gifts for Steve Jobs. And so I got them working beautifully, and I shipped them to Steve Jobs at uh, the Infinite Loop to his mail stop. <laughs> and uh, what do you think that happened to them when after they arrived? I, I He didn't want them? Didn't want them. Uh, worse. He trashed them? Yes. <laughs> I mean, really? You know that for That's sure? That's what I heard. He threw them out. Yeah. Yeah. So I and I talked to the uh, the Oakley guy after, and he said, "Well, said he he sort of just threw them away. <laughs> but he didn't he didn't want to he didn't care about the past." Right. Yep. That's where Apple's kind of known by right these days. Yeah, and they I put in so back. much work on them too. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got paid. <laughs> yeah, I got paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but that's yeah, that's yeah. pretty bad. Just throw them. Yeah. Out. At least you could just get, give them to the goodwill or something. Someone will. <laughs> now, I was invited to Apple headquarters once. In fact, I was. I went to the uh, to the Steve Jobs presentation when they introduced the second generation of iMacs. Wow! All right. So after that, we went back to headquarters for lunch, and on the way out, we walked through an antechamber where we, you go out into the. Uh, the courtyard, sort of, in the uh -huh. center. And they had a little antechamber where they had a Lisa One in a glass display case sitting there. Really? Yeah, and on the wall, they had an Apple One framed, and then underneath, they have a gold uh, little sign that says, Our Founder. That's interesting. And nobody and I spoke to at Apple knew what the Lisa was. Yeah. That they what 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 is that right or its significance which is uh, you know without getting all into that i've um i've written articles and argued the fact that you know you can still be forward thinking innovative and but 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 still sort of respect and hold up your history as something to be proud of even your failures right that's the thing i think is unfortunate i mean even now post steve jobs they could sort of look back on um yeah, the, the Lisa being an important step in Apple's history. It was an important step in the history of computing for the world. Yeah, yeah. but even the but fact that then Steve Jobs got booted out of that, that project and then he started the Macintosh, yeah, I mean, that's all important stuff. Oh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's really, it, it's part of what changed the world is the, the Lisa. Yeah. From the, from the Lisa came the Mac. Exactly. The Lisa first. And so possibly if Steve Jobs hadn't been kicked out of the Lisa project, then maybe there wouldn't be a Mac. I mean, or, I mean there might, it wouldn't be what you see today. He once said, Steve Jobs did, that the future of Apple depended upon the Lisa. Yeah. The 32-bit office. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for, thanks for talking with us. Well, I appreciate you letting me do it. I, I had a good time reminiscing. Uh, a lot of things I can't remember, but uh, uh, it was a good good to go back and think about it. Perhaps we'll talk again another time, sometime soon. Okay, maybe when the, the all the new Lisa boards yeah are finalized and and functioning, we can we can talk about those. That would be good. We might have to send you a set to look at. Okay. <laughs> so thanks again. Okay. Thanks for listening. And please check out some of my other interviews at ClassicComputing.com. I have also interviewed a few famous personalities like Ed Roberts, creator of the first personal computer, and John Scully, the man who quote-unquote fired Steve Jobs. Plus, 
You'll especially want to check out my interview with Bob Cook of Sun Remarketing. Please also consider taking a look at my book for sale, Classic Computing, The Complete Historically Brewed. It's essentially the history of computer history nostalgia. It contains reprints of all of my classic fanzines, plus my personal story about collecting computers and becoming a computer historian. See you next time.